Hello, you wonderful woman. Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, one of the UK's most successful love coaches, according to the Times Magazine, and author of the book, Love is Coming. It's my mission through this podcast to help single women, specifically female leaders, get powerful, soul-expanding relationships that revolutionize your growth, impact, and happiness during your time on planet Earth. Let's get straight to it. Hey guys. So yeah, we're doing something very different today because Nora and I have actually known each other for a fucking long time, actually. 20 Um, years. So we met, so actually Persia, we met when I was 15. So it's actually 21, 21 years ago when we met the first time. I can't believe that's how long ago we were 15. (laughs) I know when I say out loud, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't think I can say that out loud because that's actually quite crazy. Um, But yeah, it was 21 years ago and I actually remember it. Um, So Persia and I met, so I had a boyfriend at the time and basically we'd been together and then we broke up and then we we were getting back together again. And he kept saying to me, I've I've got this really new friend. Uh, You've got to meet her. You're going to love her. And I'm thinking like, as a 15 year old, like who the fuck is this girl? Like who the fuck is this girl? That like the, my, the love, my first love keeps talking about. (laughs) So anyways, uh, met Persia and we literally, I just remember we hit it off. We just literally, I think actually he got shunned out. Yeah. We were like, I couldn't even remember that that's how we met. (laughs) Yeah. No. So he got shunned out and then I don't really know what happened. I think he kind of just like life got in the way, whatever, yeah. 15, we lived, you know, we didn't live uh, that close to each other. I can't try to remember, I feel like you didn't live that far away. But anyway, um, but anyways, life happened and we didn't, we didn't speak of, we went off to university, went off and did our lives. And about three years ago, maybe two years ago. Did you we sort of came back into each other? Like, I, I don't even know how I saw it. Might have even been on an ad or we have some friends in common in the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't bloody believe it. Nor me are doing very similar things. And I was like, <laughs> of course we bloody are. Of course we are. And so we're just re- recently sort of come back into each other's orbit. And you recently asked me to speak in your membership. And then we got on the blower, got, had a good old Zoom catch up. And then we were like, do you know what? We should do a podcast. And instead Amazing. of just interview, like, why don't we just do one podcast and it be a conversation, which is going to be part catching up, but like both just sort of asking each other questions because you, Nor, are, so you, you were, well, you were originally a business coach, aren't you? And now, would you say now that you are a manifestation coach or is it business and manifestation? So, yeah, and actually this is a conversation I had with my clients last night because they were talking about niches and I said, it's really, what I've done is really a ball ache and I don't recommend it <laughs> um, having two niches. But yeah, I started off as really as a business coach yeah, and uh, back in 2016. And I knew in my heart that that's not what I wanted to be known for, but I was actually really scared to step into what I really wanted to do, which was mindset manifestation, because that's what had changed my life. Yeah. You know, I'd gone from really struggling as a teenager, and I'm sure, you know, Persia can relate, and, you know, we've got very similar stories and backgrounds. Um, I was really struggling, and, and I really got to sort of my late 20s, really not knowing what the fuck I was doing with my life, was really suffering with anxiety, Um was very lost. And the thing that changed my life was the thing that I wanted to teach, which was mindset manifestation. Mm-hmm. But along the way, I built this business and it felt like this safe route to be a business coach. And I had hired my first coach who was a business coach. So it felt like almost easier to imitate rather than just to really step into what I wanted to do. So that's how I started. Mm-hmm. And then it was until 2018, uh, after I had my third daughter, that I remember I was sat in Croatia and I was on the um, balcony of a holiday and I remember just crying because I was like, something doesn't feel right. And it was because I knew in my heart that I wanted to do um, mindset manifestation, but I was really scared that no one would pay me for it. No one would want to work with me on it. Um, and I'd created, you know, multi six figure business and I was a really great business coach. But my heart at that point was like, this is not the bigger picture for me in my business. So anyways, Fast forward to now, since 2018, I took a leap of faith, started to uh, teach manifestation and been doing that now since 2018. And yeah, I've got a membership with now 1700 people in and um, absolutely love that. But at the same time, I do have my business academy where I teach people how to build a business, but it really is just 
because I love it. I love teaching business. I love teaching strategy. I love seeing people thrive in that. But it wasn't what I wanted to be known for or what I wanted to be doing all of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and, what she, and Persia, she's, when she first came on my orbit back in on the Instagrams, I was like, love and dating coach. Of course she's <laughs> you, I was wondering, I think, she, God, I was such a nightmare back in the, when we were friends. I mean, it, love and dating relationships were my way of dealing with having a very chaotic childhood and they were just like the biggest distraction. So I was really good at getting boyfriends and dating, but I wasn't so good at keeping them because I got bored and cheated or I kept going for the bad boys. And so I thought, oh my God, Norm must be, I wonder if she's laughing. (laughs) I wonder if she's pissing herself because yeah, it's been such a journey. Like I was actually an actress for a long time um, that was sort of the route that I went and and actually now I remember I that as a child that I remember yeah. as a 15 year old that being your dream I remember yeah. that because that was also my dream I wanted to go to uh, and everyone that knows me in my little world will know that that was one of my dreams and you know I, I share in my books that most people went to WH Smith and bought 17 magazine and I'd go buy the stage like the broadsheet <laughs> and look at like auditions that I'd never fucking go to and then went to uh, apply to go to the Brits for my parents that I couldn't go in the end because they were like you need a proper career, but sorry to, to digress, but that's another massive similarity between me and Persia. And I think one of the reasons that we, we were so like, you know, connected and probably why the universe has brought us back together again. I know. Well, also nuts that we're with the same, um, well, a different imprint of the same publisher our first yes. book with as well. So, and so when did yours come out? So my first book came out in 2019, just fucking do it. And here's a little fun fact for you. So the publisher that signed Persia up was the first person to reject me. (laughs) Um, I went into a meeting with um, the publisher that Persia had and, um, and yeah, and I I actually remember it so clearly yesterday because I just felt in the meeting, I was like, I just knew that they just didn't love what I'd put on the table. But it was the most incredible feedback that I got that then took me to redoing my whole book proposal mm. and led me down the journey. And it ironically ended up with the publisher that was in the office next to the other publisher. And because my first book sold like over 60, 70,000 copies, uh, my editor says he's, he was quite smug every time he walked past. <laughs> so, I got her. I got her. Uh, so yeah so uh, it was good but another weird little synchronicity connection guys I don't think and I'm sure personally think there's any fucking coincidence that at the age of 15 we were brought together and then by divine intervention I always talk about this we're all energetically connected you know there's no such thing as coincidences Mm -hmm. and we're back here again and with so many and I'm sure, by the way, if we catch up for more, there'll be so many moments of shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. Moments of, uh, yeah, so. Um, so tell I me- want to ask you, what I want to ask you quickly is because you you earlier sort of skated over the fact you had three daughters, you've also got a son. And this is what I find, like you were always, you know what, you're same, same, but different. Like you're, you're exactly the same as you were when we were 15, obviously, but you now have a very successful business, lovely husband and four children. And I was saying to you when we caught up, I was like, I don't understand how you do all the things you do and are so successful and have four children. Like it blows my mind. Like you, you have always had such an incredible energy. You're so vibrant and vivacious. And I want to hear a little bit more. And I know that my listeners will really want to know your story, your kind of love story and how that fitted in with your journey in work and your career and business, because you're really thriving in both of them. But as you said earlier, like it wasn't always that way, not through Um, your whole twenties. So can you take us back a little bit? For sure. So like Persia, I was addicted to relationships. I didn't realise, well, I I, I should put words in her mouth. (laughs) She might not have been addicted to relationships. No, I absolutely was. (laughs) That's my first book. I was addicted to being in love. And actually from Mm. the age of four, and that was also my way, um, you know, after doing a lot of deep work, was my way of re-dealing with the fact that I didn't get that love of affection from my dad. So hashtag daddy issues (laughs) for real. So anyways, so when I first met my first love Izzy at 14 the person that actually introduced me who to. I went to uni with afterwards as well yeah. So, um, yeah exactly so just so many weird moments but anyways so um that was my first experience of love and I actually went pretty much from relationship to relationship to relationship all the way through from the age of 14 through t- till till now and the most funniest part of this and my listeners may know this story they may not but 
I had come out of a relationship. I'd been with someone for a year and a half. I'd, I'd gone to Australia by myself after one relationship failed. And he was kind of the second biggest love of my life. Um, and I got on a plane on December 28th in my big pink suitcase all the way to Australia by myself. Didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I'd met this guy in Thailand and I was like, it's going to be amazing that we're going to fall in love. We're going to do this. Blah, blah. And if you've ever seen that film, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, that was me, but in real life and completely not <laughs> trying to. Um, and I remember 10 days into my trip in Australia, um, bringing my mom being like, I want to come home. And she was like, you're not coming home. You did not go there for silly boys. Go have fun. Go experience life. But anyways, about two months later than that, I had I had an Australian boyfriend, but a completely different person by this point, who was so wrong for me. But a year and a half later of being with this Aussie boyfriend, who by this point had moved to the UK to come be with me. And I'd gone to Ibiza to do another season in Club 1830. So you can see it was a complete shit show. And on July the 16th, 2010, he was in Ibiza. We broke up and I cried relief. And for the first time, since I was 14 years old, I just wanted to be single. I just wanted mm. to not be in a relationship anymore. I was so sick of trying to fight for relationships, being consistently anxious. I felt my anxiety was through the fucking roof when I was in relationships because I didn't love myself. I didn't believe that I was worthy of love. I, and all of the stuff that I didn't know why, you know, I can look at back, look back at it now as a coach and give you hindsight. But at the time I thought I was broken. There was something wrong with me. Why I couldn't keep a relationship together. I cheated on everybody as well. Even the ones that I absolutely fucking loved Yeah, because it came from a place of complete fear. Mm -hmm. And so on July 16th, 2010, I was like, that's it. I'm going to be single. I'm going to go traveling. I'm going to have no strings attached. I was living in Ibiza at the time. So I was like, I'm going to go out there I'm going to shag everybody. <laughs> I, I had never been that type of person to go and have one night stands. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to try this. I'm just going to go do what girls do that don't, that do the opposite from me, which is I fall in love with anything that comes within a dis five meter distance of me. Yeah. I love you. I'll have you. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll enter this functional relationship with you. So um, so December, July, December, I'd gone to December then, July 16th, 2010, I made that, I made that decision to myself. On July 17th, 2010, 24 no. hours later. Um, so that evening, my friend actually, Jasmine, said to me, There's a group of lads that have arrived at your hotel. You need to go and sell them XYZ. And she said, Don't forget their name. It's Hibbert, and there's six of them. Hibbert is the lead. See where this is going. <laughs> Hibbert is the lead name of the of the of the group. And I was like, okay, Hibbert, Hibbert, wrote it down. She was like, easy commission. So next day I totter into the room. I don't even really remember seeing Richard. I was in sales mode. Go in there, go to sell them this, this, this trip. They said no. And I walked out going, what the fuck? That evening, um, I'm on bar crawl and I see. Richard for the first time he was very very drunk and being very annoying um and I wasn't drunk so to me he was just extra annoying but I remember thinking gosh he's really really good looking I really fancy him but he's just really annoying um but the next day he walked through my hotel so an hour in July like 18th and um and that was the first day of the rest of my life which I didn't realize um and we actually had a bit of a holiday romance. He left three days later. And on the Tuesday, um, he, I, we sort of said, he said, I'm, I'm leaving. When are you coming back from Ibiza? I said, look, this is what it was. This was a fun, little bit of a summer romance. I had a great time with you. I think you're gorgeous, but I'm going to be single this summer and I'm not looking for a relationship. Well, that didn't fucking work out. Well. <laughs> I would have told me that he would be the last man I ever slept with. I would have definitely tried to fit some more in before that, but before that point, <laughs> because I did not see that when I decided I was going to shag everybody. I ended up shagging only one more person for the last 12 years. So, um, so, and thank goodness, may I add, but, um, but th that, 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 that was just a whole crazy, you know, way that we met was by me truly letting go, mm -hmm. truly letting go. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I teach this in manifestation. 
in walked the man that I'd always wanted and always dreamt of. And, you know, and by the way, when he first said he lived in Rotherham, I remember when he first started speaking, I was thinking, God, you're pretty, but I need a fucking translator or, <laughs> sub- or subtitles. Cause he was right. Yorkshire. Oh my God, my Yorkshire accent's so bad. And not in a million fucking years did I imagine that I would end up marrying a Yorkshireman. Like, you know. Well, I didn't think I'd end up with someone from Birmingham either. So I really. <laughs> Sounds so fucking snobby, doesn't it? Yeah. Listen yeah. to us from Wimbledon, like, oh, yeah. Oh, Chris, we thought we'd go to Marybourne. I thought I'd end up with someone like trilingual and really exotic. <laughs> That's not what I got. <laughs> well, it's funny because I always, I always imagined everyone always wanted like suited and booted men. I just wanted a man that drove a white van that would whistle out the window. <laughs> I was like, that that really did it for me. And when I found out that he was a bricklayer and I first came to Rotherham and, and, and he went, I'm going to work. And I saw his white van outside of the car. I was like, oh, outside his house. I went, you manifested it. I was like, man, I manifested a man in a white van. Um, <laughs> so yeah, anyways. So cut a long story short, um, the first few years were, were, were interesting because mm. I, I moved up here, didn't have any friends up here, um, didn't really, you know, our, our relationship really went from zero to 100 very quickly. We actually bought this house I'm sat in right now, four months after we met. Um, wow. So yeah, so we, we we put, and it was weird because deep down I knew he was the right person for me, but then we had a few years of it really being up and down and not because mm. I didn't love him, we didn't love each other, but because we had very different worlds and I still hadn't dealt with any of the shit deep inside of me and I could just see that I was going back to my old ways of feeling anxious and I didn't want to be and I remember just kind of crying to my mum saying like I am broken and I need to be fixed because I'm pushing away everyone that I love and um and I I fell pregnant with Layla when in 2012 so we met in 2010 I was pregnant with Layla in 2012 we got married in 2013 but everything felt, I mean, particularly my marriage, and I'm very open with sharing this with everybody, you know, I dreamt of getting married. I dreamt of my wedding day. I, you know, all I wanted to do was get married and be a wife. But the pressure of that comp- and, and trying to create this perfect wedding day and what would people think on social media? Mm. And and after my wedding day, that night, I got into bed and I cried and the morning after I cried, my mom said, oh, it's quite normal. It's called the wedding blues. I'm like, no, it's not. So this isn't normal. Something's not right. I did everything for everybody else and not for me and Rich. Me and Rich wanted to get married in Ibiza because that was our, that's where we met. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all this pressure. And obviously, you know, I was 26, 27 years old. Um, and I had pressure from, you know, my dad, because he's very traditional. You need to get married. You've got a child. Um, and my friends were getting married and they were getting married in like the Dorchester and all this Mm. stuff and we couldn't really afford any of that so I remember going I put like two grand into savings for my my daughter I remember going to the bank and going can I take that money out so I could pay for a band because I was Mm. like we need a band you know what will people think if we don't have a band our wedding will be shit like people think it's shit and I and I'm so excited because me and Rich we married 10 years next year and we always said when we got to 10 years, we'd renew our vows and do our wedding all over again the way that we wanted to do it. Um, and not, and I wish I could go back to 27-year-old me and go, fuck everybody else. It's not about them. Like mm-hmm. we barely saw each other on our own wedding day because mm-hmm. you're with everybody else. Or, you know, I remember at one point I was really frustrated because no one was dancing and I'd paid for the band, mm-hmm. you know? And it was all this stress, like mm-hmm. all this pressure I'd put on myself. And it was the meaning of why we got married was so lost and we've grown, we've grown so much since then and grown so much stronger a year on year. We've grown closer and better and stronger. And, you know, I can't wait for us to be able to say our vows and they mean something completely different now with the four kids in front of us. Yeah. Um, but in 2017, um, I was in a position with my business where he could leave his job. So um, he left his job as a bricklayer and set up his own business. And we've just been on this incredible journey of, you know, figuring out how to create freedom in our life and, and having babies and getting stronger and getting better And uh, as a couple. And there were moments, there were many moments in our relationship where um, even after we'd had the kids where I was like, I, I can't be with you. I need to walk away mm-hmm. because it was like I was growing and he wasn't or his you know um 
the people that he surrounded himself with were such bad influences. Like his group of friends up until 2015 were a group of lads that all cheated on their partners. Like Mm. it was completely acceptable that they would go on these weekends away and cheat on their partners. And they would go and do this stuff. And it was, I, I just, I just couldn't be that anxiety for me was just too much. It was too much. Mm. And so a lot happened between us where we had to really grow and we really had to decide whether our relationship was what we wanted to be in. And thank goodness we both did. And I always say to these people, unless two people are a hundred percent in and take 100% responsibility and like me Mm -hmm. and Rich were, you won't ever fix or grow a relationship. And if a relationship isn't growing, it's dying. And Mm -hmm. so we make a committed effort to each other, Mm -hmm. um, especially around four kids to, um, to honor and love each other and to, to make sure that, you know, each other knows that. So, um, I'm not sure if that really answered your question. Or it does. I've got, I've got a few more questions. Like, yeah. Firstly, I just want to say thank you so much for your complete, just openness and honesty around mm-hmm. all of that, because, you know, not everyone, particularly around their love lives, honestly, sometimes me trying to get like, ask questions to people around their love life, particularly female leaders, it, it can be the most triggering thing for people. And I love how open you are, Noor. You're exactly the same as you always were. And it's it's so powerful because the other thing I want to say is what's really refreshing about your story is, you know, you manifest it. I mean, it's so perfect that you're coaching and manifesting because you manifest him actually quicker than you wanted to. And you yeah. get to that place where it's like, you, you've been relationship, relationship, relationship. You're like, I actually am ready and desire some time on my own. Sometimes the universe has other plans or, or things go differently. And because one of the questions I get asked a lot is like, you know, because I went from relationship to relationship and I know that I really, I had an, a year and a half completely on my own. I dated a couple of guys in that time, but I had like f- several periods of four months at a time where I had like, I didn't, I was living with my parents, building a business. I had, I didn't have a bloke poking me on Facebook, like not even that. God, yeah. remember that poking? Yeah, oh, poking. Was the- what was the point? So passive <laughs> aggressive and weird. Yes. Um, <laughs> what was the point? Today. A bit like, just a bit uncomfortable. But, um, but I like, what what I saw with my parents is they went through like addiction together, very, very painful addiction. And they both went into rehab several times at different times and they got through it, which most people do not. Most people like do not come like even manage to stay sober at rehab and they managed to rebuild their relationship, rebuild our family. And so they were an example. I saw an example of two people who went, went like really did the growing together. And I know that you're always growing together, but they did like that beginning part, which is always the hardest. So, you know, I sometimes will get like, mostly I'm going to be honest, women will come to work with me because they're single and, you know, their career might be thriving. They really want a relationship Mm. and they they feel shame that they don't have one for whatever reason. Um, But, but every now and then I will get women who are in a relationship or married, but are struggling. They're either asking, like, want to know, do I stay or do I go? and want like support help like help navigating yeah. that journey or they're they're kind of they do know that they they want to stay there but like you said like the, the 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 husband or their partner is not growing and they're they're really on this growth journey like there's a lot of different reasons why they might want support and love coaching around that situation so it's really encouraging to to see this from another perspective and see that it absolutely is possible for two people to grow and and come through some really hard times together. But the key is what you said. You both have to 100% want to be in it because I've had so many clients and my, me, myself and friends where you are willing to do your bit and you're also willing to do their bit for them. And it can't work. Yeah. You it cannot do it. The, no. It won't work. And it's funny because, like, for me, I witnessed my mom go through two divorces um, so it forced my dad, my biological dad, at 12 years old, um, my, my, so my real dad, my stepdad. And then he actually married my stepdad, who I absolutely loved and adored, but he was an addict. And mm-hmm. he also went into rehab. And unfortunately, it didn't it didn't help me. He couldn't come out the other end. And, um, you know, he he passed away, you know, age 44, a few years ago mm. from, you know, he thought it was the cat with 27,000 lives. We thought he was the cat with 27,000 lives. Um, but it, it caught up on him and his liver failed and he, he couldn't, he didn't do it. So I, I've seen 
I've been, I, I didn't have good role models for relationships ever in my mm. life. My mum and dad married because my mum was 18 when she had me. It was the right thing for them. Yeah. It was the right in inverted commas thing for them to do. They, they weren't in love, you know, mm. they weren't in love. And my, my, my mum did love him or wanted him way more like he wanted me to be aborted basically you know they were really young and I don't blame him like it's you know I don't think oh my god you know why did you want that I completely understand why in that headspace he was but they didn't they stayed together for all the fucking wrong reasons eventually divorced at 12 years old and by that point I I did not have any sort of modeling of what a good relationship was you know they argued there was very little affection between them Yada yada yada. When my mum met my stepdad, it was like two freaking horny teenagers. <laughs> like she, like she was like they were so in. Like my mum had never had that before. Do you know what yeah. I mean? She to have someone that loved her and adored her, and they were like always cuddling and kissing, and it was like mum, that's so gross. But you kind of also so happy for them. But then when his addiction just got so bad, um, and he just down spiraled, and unfortunately my. And it downspired because he ended up actually having an affair when he, well, he was absolutely smashed and, you know, cheated on my mom. And we begged him to stay. We begged my mom to stay with him um, because we loved him so much. And so she did. But of course, my mom was heartbroken. My mom was completely, she had lost all faith. So she was staying with him once again for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And that was that really the end of their relationship. And it, he just got worse and worse. I think his guilt just created even more of a space for for addiction. Mm-hmm. He went to rehab multiple times, would come out and just be drinking with, or, you know, whatever within a couple of days. So um, I didn't have good role models. And then when I met Rich on a completely separate, you know, his parents have been married for four, they had their Ruby wedding anniversary, like 40 years. Mm-hmm. But equally, it's an interesting dynamic because they've been together, but, the first time I seen them hold hands together was at a funeral, you know? Wow. So Rich didn't have role models of, even though the relationship had been together, he didn't have a role model of what people who shared emotions were like, who gave affection were like. You know, he didn't have that because you 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 are what you love, you, you are what you see. Mm. So even though I was a very affectionate, loving, open person, I didn't have a role model for what a good relationship looked like. Same as Richard, because even though his parents have been together for 40 years, they're not, you, you know, they don't, they wouldn't sit down to talk about their feelings or like, you know, have in-depth conversations about their growth or things that they exist together because they've been together for 40 years. And of course they, they love each other, but it's so different from the kind of relationship that I wanted to be in. So we both had to navigate what a relationship looked like for us, mm-hmm. not anything we'd learned from anybody else. And And I'll never forget my, um, I had a boyfriend when I was 17, 18 years old, who I was absolutely head over heels for. We were together for many years. And I'll never forget his parents. They've been together married for years. I remember one day it was Christmas and his dad kind of grabbed his mum and they were dancing around the living room. And And I remember thinking, that's the kind of relationship that I want. When I'm there with my children and me and my husband still love each other and, you know, we're dancing around the room and our kids are going, oh my God, mum and dad, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 to be at that, and my and my some of my kids will say, you know, if me and Rich are like having a little smooch, they're like, oh, we're like, you don't know how lucky you are. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how lucky you are that you have parents that absolutely fucking adore each other because mm-hmm. you know, there's many people that don't that mm-hmm. don't. Um and so we had to really navigate that growth based on our own terms and I had to overcome a lot of my own anxieties. And for me, in 2015, when me and Rich's relationship pretty much almost ended, you know, and I had two kids and I generally thought I'm going to be a single mum. And it was the best fucking thing that ever happened for me. It was the moment that changed me. My anxiety started to go. I started to really love myself. I started to step into myself. And at the same time, Rich... And I both wanted it to work more than anything. Mm. And that for, for me was, that was our journey. It, that he, we were soul contracted to be together. We were real soulmates. Mm. Soulmates, by the way, guys, it's not all fucking glitter and mm-hmm. rainbows and unicorns. You know, Wayne Dyer says that soulmates can be the ones that come and really cause a shitstorm. But yeah. there's so much beauty and learning to come out of it. And I don't ever want anyone to think that, 
your best relationship has to be the one that's the easiest or oh you'll never have an argument for you the love of your life that's bollocks me and rich very fucking rarely argue i mean now you know but in the first few years it was up and down you know yeah. we, were get, we were young we were getting to know each other and also getting to know ourselves and mm. growing as different people but trying to grow together and trying to have you know bring up children and trying to figure out you know I came from a very different upbringing than him mm. so even just trying to marry my values of what I wanted with a family with his values you know mm-hmm. all of that stuff um but fuck me like it was worth every single tear and moment because I genuinely still look at him and, and he'll be the first to tell you, tell you. I'll literally look at him every day and I'm like, fucking hell, I can't believe I get, I, you're mine. I, I love, you know, oh. and, and and I genuinely, genuinely sometimes catch myself like going, oh my fucking God, I, I can't believe he's the baby daddy. Like I just like, mm. you know, because we just, I love him so much with every single cell in my body. And I know that, I know that he is the same for me. So it 12 years later do you know what I mean it's not it's not it's not it's not been you know the honeymoon period's over but we for me to still feel this way about him I never thought it was possible and I always Mm. thought when I was younger I was like how can someone be in a relationship more than two years you're you're gonna get bored like you're gonna you know but you really don't with the right person. You really don't, you know, it's like because time. It's, it's you're growing and that's the key. As long as you're both growing, like me and Joe had a really, what like last year was really challenging and from a lot of different ways. And we hit a really big rock and it was the best, like you said, it was the best thing that could have happened to us because from that place, we were like, right, we need to go to Costa Rica. Like we traveling is a very important part of our relationship always has been as our festivals. And obviously COVID fucked that. And um, so we were like, what do we need to do? And we're like, we spent a fuck ton of money going to Costa Rica. And, and, you know, like, I just want to be really clear for anyone who's like, Oh, it's all right for you. Like I, like I actually almost, it was like probably spent too much money, but I was like, I need to do this. And I, I have worked enough on my mindset. Like I know that that will be replenished. I value myself and I value this relationship and we need to go there to have some time for us. But also we really wanted to go and do plant medicine. And that happened in a way that we didn't expect. And it was, it was life-changing for us individually, but as, but for us as a couple as well. Mm. And, you know, I think what I see often with high achieving women, Nora, and I'm interested in your perspective on this is they are willing to drop some serious money in into their investing into their business or their career because that's that's what we've been conditioned to believe by the patriarchal culture that we're in. But but they, it's like we just all expect to, relationships and love should just be easy and come easily to us. And I was like, I didn't get any anything for my business out of investing in Costa Rica. But, but I mean, I have actually really. You will do, yeah. It, yeah, I haven't. But like, it, not in the short term. It, I, it was like, I'm doing this for me and I'm doing this for us. And mm. oh my God. And and of course, not only is our relationship shifted and we're finally able to get married this year. And now I'm like, thank God our wedding was cancelled twice. Perfect fucking divine timing. Like yeah. perfect timing. And and everything is shifting in my work and my business because I took that leap. And I think that that's really, really important. You know, if you, whatever you want in life, how much are you actually committed to it? Oh because what I see it, sorry. <laughs> but what I see it all the time is like, you know, and I used to be one of these people is like, walk a big talk, but you know how actually committed someone is to something when you look at how they're spending their time. Mm. And their energy. And yeah, I would say money as well, you know, to a, to a degree. And everyone's at different places. Like when I started on my self-development journey, I was a skin actress. I moved in with my parents for what I thought would be five months, ended up being five years. But I was like, I will do whatever it takes to transform my relationship with love and dating and relationships because that was always so important to me. And I fucking showed up as I continue to. And then I was on the journey with my career as well. But it's like, I sometimes people say, oh, it's easy for you with your relationship. I'm like, do you understand where I came from? I did not get this fucking easily. Like I did not get this easily. And if you mean it, no, neither neither. of us did. No, I tell you what, oh my God. You know, people see us together. It's so funny because sometimes we'll go out with the parents from school, right? And none of them are in really loving relationships from my perspective anyway, as in like not outwardly anyway. Mm -hmm. And I know 
So when when I've had a drink, like I'm me, you know, I'm I'm very affectionate. I'm a very tactile person. You know, I love my husband. I want to kiss him. I want to hug him. I that's the type of person I am with him all the time. And I remember we're out and like some of the other parents like, oh my God, look at you two. Like, and almost like taking, like almost like in a derogatory way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, and I said to Rich, I was like, honestly, like it's because people project their own, um, their own, like the, the, the fact that then they, their wives aren't affectionate with them. Their wives don't yeah. want to be with them. They're, you know, where was I going with this? There was a reason why you were saying, oh yeah. And, and I remember saying to Rich, if only they could fucking see what we have had to go through yeah. to get to this point in our relationship, because mm-hmm. my chapter 10 is not, you can't compare my chapter 10 to your chapter one. Like yeah. you cannot fucking. Same as with business as well, isn't it? Oh, is there's so I, many parallels. Oh my God. And, and do you know what? Like, I get to be rich every single day if I want to. Like every single day, like he's at home with me. We're at home together. You know, we we we, we get to do things that most people don't get to do. We get to go and have lunch dates. We get to go and for walks randomly in the day. We get to do that because we created a life to support that through business. But I tell you, one of the hardest parts about it what, that I had to do a lot of work on myself was, was the dynamic of our relationship is not traditional in terms of, you know, I'm the breadwinner. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I financially contribute in a, a much bigger way than my husband does. But that's because we have over years, and this has taken a lot of navigating because for him, he, you know, it's, that's not the traditional way to do things. That's not what, what people do. So he, for us, that was a big part of our growth journey together is accepting our sort of new roles. I'm using inverted commas for anyone that can't see me because we're on audio. New roles in 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 our in our life and the dynamic that we have. People like I am not a fucking domestic goddess, right? I <laughs> I remember there's some mums were chatting about they were moaning about washing. That are like laundry and they were moaning oh yes and then I'd do this and then Dev does this and da, da, da. and I was sat there just like in fucking silence and then laughing to myself because if you ask Richard how many laundries I've done in the last five years he would not be probably able to do one hand mm-hmm. um because he's like he is like chief house runner like he has the shit together he knows oh, you lucky going- bitch <laughs> <laughs> He knows what is going on with the school. He knows what uniforms they need. He knows wow. he snacks every single day. I'll never forget, like, he had to go somewhere. And the kid's like, Mummy, will you know what snacks to give us? And I was like, guys, I do fucking know what to do. Just because Daddy is, like, on it. And it's funny because I, I'm, I'll never forget, and like, he would kill me for saying this, but absolutely years ago he said something to me. This was years and years and years ago. He said something like, Charles is so bad. Like, aren't wives meant to like do something and like saying really fucking dumb chauvinistic shit? And I was like, I can't believe you just said that. I said, but you choose. If you want, I will stop making the money and mm-hmm. I will do the cleaning and the cooking and the whatever. But then we can't go on five holidays a year. And you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to match my income to mm-hmm. make up for our lifestyle and this is a conversation we had absolutely I'm, I'm talking like five six years ago mm-hmm. and um and obviously he was like you know what well, obviously now you know <laughs> it's a completely different situation like he he will never he will never I guess he, he doesn't have a desire to do the mindset work at the level I do to make the money that I do right and that's completely his choice I've made peace with the fact that I I'm quite happy to be the breadwinner. But that took me a lot of inner work because mm. the responsibility was all on me. The majority of the responsibility was all on me. Um, so that was, yeah, so that was kind of the dynamic of our relationship and how I had to grow as, as, as a female that's kind of in a different role in the house. You know what I mean? Mm. And he found that hard at some point. He yeah. found that hard. Um, but now we're in such an amazing place because mm. of the work that we've done together. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like that's a whole other episode in itself because, um, I mean, that's something that Joe and I are now moving towards and 
it's it's scary because that's not the model I had growing up. I had the, the model of dad was the breadwinner and mum absolutely run the house and like and he could not do what he does if it wasn't for her and vice versa. Like they are an excellent oh, team. Oh my god. And that's and that's I, I could not mm-hmm. I, like I mean, so I, I I could because actually I always say to it, I'm always like, well, you know what? We could just hire someone to come in and do this and do this. This we can't afford to do that, you know. So like, I know that you do it, and you want me to be like, well done. No, he doesn't. He doesn't really. But you know, like years ago, he'd be like, I've done this and I've done this. No, he wouldn't actually. But I'd notice he'd done stuff, and then he says like, oh, he'll he'll say something like, look, I've. I've just cleaned the kitchen. So, you know, don't leave your plates there or whatever. And I'm like, and I used to get really annoyed because I thought it was a bit like parental. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd, I'd kind of go, do you know what? I'm going to get a cleaner in to do my half. And it's like, what? I was like, I don't really feel like you're doing everything. So I hired a cleaner and she came in and I was like, there you go. My half is done now. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want it to feel like I wasn't doing something. So whilst I couldn't think of anything fucking worse than spending my days cleaning or tidying or whatever, I'm quite happy to make enough money to be able to get someone to do my share. Yeah. So then I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. contributing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That was my, that was always my like rebuttal. If ever I kind of saw the side eye from like, are you really leaving all your plates there? Because it reminded me of being, mm. at, I was like, I want to earn enough money that I can just not have to worry about tidying up or stuff yeah. like that. It's just, um, it's like we say, we say in businesses, it's like play to your strengths. Like you cannot, people say, oh, how to have it all. And you, well, you can have, like, first of all, what is having it all? Having it all is different to everyone. But then there's the other thing that gets put on women, women that does not get put on men. It's like, we're expected to do it all. You cannot do everything unless you want to be a stressed out and like, like really quite frankly, miserable and have no space and time in your life. So what's the point in working so hard? So I'm all for playing to strengths. And actually on that note, I was um, stalking you on YouTube yesterday, which was really fun and preparing, can't speak, preparing for this. And I really loved your simple five-step solution to manifesting anything you want. And I would love to, and I know that this would be so useful for, um, the women listening, if you could like just run us through it, but in like try and like like putting it in the lens of relationships. Oh, in the lens of okay. You, you, the way that you explained it, I was like, I mean, I've done I've done so much around manifesting, but that I was like, that is the most succinct, clear. Like, there's nothing in there that you don't need. You know, there's no fluff. It's just fucking to the point. So I think that would be really helpful. So. Through the lens of relationships, my five-step manifesting method that I've been working on for so many years to really nail because I wanted, I tried to manifest and couldn't quite get it. So um, let's start off with number one, creating a vision of what that ideal relationship looks like. And I think that there's some people out there, and I remember reading a book by Darren Hardy called The Compound Effect, where he said he wrote a letter where it was literally like his actual idol woman down to hair color and personality. And I actually think that you shouldn't do that. And the reason I agree. you shouldn't do that is because um, when you zone in on a particular person so deeply, you actually miss out on the incredible opportunities that might come your way of people that you would never expect. You know, mm-hmm. for me, like I would have never expected. I probably would have deep down thought it was going to happen with an Essex boy. All right, darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was always kind of my dream. Um, never in a million years thought Yorkshire boy. Um, but and the point is, is that was exactly who I needed and what I needed. So creating a vision, but really feel, really focusing on the feelings. What do you want to feel in a relationship? Um, really focusing on those words. What's that vision for that relationship? Um, what are those desires around that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? Maybe. Can I ask a question about that? So yeah. when you think about the vision, would you say like... How far in the future of the vision? Do you know what I mean? Is it like you're thinking about you and that person five years into the relationship or a decade in? Or I am I overthinking it? I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I honestly don't. Whatever think. comes to your head. I think just whoever that person is, whatever that, just just, just get, get down that. It doesn't matter about, hopefully you want to feel the same way about someone five or 10 years or 15 years down the line, that person will still mm-hmm. make you feel a certain way or the way that you feel of that, that relationship. Like I wanted someone. So I, a big part of traveling is a big part of my life, Like we travel a lot and um, I'll never forget on my very first date. So I was like, I'm going to marry someone that loves traveling. My very first date with Richard, 
which happened to be in Ibiza. Um, we were very, very drunk that day after booze cruise. So I kind of had a hungover, hangover at the meal. And I remember saying to him, like, oh, do you like traveling? Because I really love traveling. Went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, so where have you been? He went, Magaluf and Ayanapa. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally, in my head, I was like, not going to be for me if you think. Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, he's very, very fucking lucky because his, um, his first his first trip away with me was to Kenya and he was like, wow. like, you know, completely different world. So we've done, I think, Layla, when I last counted, Layla, who's my 10-year-old, uh, will be 10 this year, last counted, she'd done 20 countries. So, wow. um, you know, so that's just, you know, since he, since he was born. So... So first step, get really kind of that vision of what you want, what you want your life to be like with that person, how you want to feel, the values that they have, you know, family values. I remember one of the first questions I asked Rich was, how many children do you want? Because I wanted a big family. So I wanted someone that was on the alignment. He went, I said, I'd love four. And most people that I've been with have gone, that's way too many. I'd like two. I want one. And he was like, yeah, I'd love that. And I was like, wow. Okay, amazing. And he was only from a small family. So it wasn't like he was from a big family like me. Mm-hmm. So get clear on some of those bigger picture things that you'd love your partner to be in alignment with. Number two, then zone in, ask yourself, what are the buts? I'd love to meet someone, but, oh, but every single man is a twat, but I get really anxious in relationships, but no one's going to love me for who I am. You know, just write down all of the buts. This is going to be indicative of your programming around relationships. This is going to start to highlight your conditioning. And sometimes it's not that obvious. And and that's why this work is not a one-stop shop, one-jobby thing. You know, I always say that there's weeds in the garden and sometimes you pluck a few out and then you go back to garden and you realize there's more. And that's why this work is lifelong. It's not... You know, I've done my mindset work today and I'm fucking fixed the rest of my life. It doesn't work that way. Um, So get clear on what those buts are. What are those beliefs that you have around relationships? And start to really understand that those beliefs have mainly been started as childhood. So as Persia and I have both shared on this podcast together, we both had, you know, chaos during our childhood. We didn't have the, the best role models at some point to show us what love was or how a functioning relationship was. And and so we would have created beliefs around relationships. For me, I actually had a very different upbringing. My mum was the breadwinner in both the relationships that she was in. So actually I did model her in a a way. But equally, um, I didn't want to be, I didn't want my husband to be like my stepdad, who always resented my mum for being the breadwinner. Mm. And my mum used to always make a point of kind of, I'm this, you know, it, it was always like, well, I've I've done this and always having to make a point. And I, for me, the culminating uh, part of that, that was really stressful was when they went through divorce. And my mum was like, well, I've earned everything. And having to watch all that for me as, you know, a 20 something year old really put a lot in perspective for me, especially when I started my business. So, um, looking back at to what you heard, saw and experienced as a child around relationships is going to be very indicative of the beliefs that you have. Step three is I really utilize the incredible power of neuroplasticity, which is um, the science of changing our brain, which shows us that we don't have to be the person that we were. We can change. Mm-hmm. And using um, repetition to teach our subconscious mind, we can create new belief systems, we create a new identity. Our personal reality in relationships is a reflection of our personality. So our identity, our habits, our beliefs. So we can change all of those. So for me, when I hit rock bottom, and sometimes we need to be completely broken to rebuild. And relationships need to be completely broken to be rebuilt in the most beautiful way. So I chose a different set of beliefs. I was no longer going to be someone that was scared of someone leaving me. Mm-hmm. That was, I didn't want to live in consist, constant fear that the person I love was going to leave me. And because I truly believe that they were going to leave me anyway, because I'd seen this happen in my own childhood, um, I didn't, I was consistently anxious. I was consistently mm-hmm. waiting for something bad to happen, but this was all happening at a subconscious level. So we can then reprogram our mind to create an identity of who we want to be in a relationship 
strong, empowered, loving, feminine, um, you know, all of those things that we want. Start to reprogram beliefs like I'm not scared. Most people don't go in relationships because they're fucking scared or they go into relationships scared and then stay scared. But what happens if we just weren't scared, you know? How different would a relationship look if we weren't fucking scared all the time? How different would a business look if we weren't scared? Fear is that when fear is the driving force, the outcome is never fucking good. So we need faith to be the driving force of a relationship. Faith that even if it doesn't work out, that's okay. This was part of my journey. Faith that the right people are coming into my life for the right reasons, teach me the right lessons. Mm-hmm. So when we can go in with faith and not fear, it completely changes the game. So how can we reprogram our mind to step four, which is tuning into Universe FM, which is a way of being. Tuning into Universe FM is not a linear step. It is a commitment daily to master your emotional vibration, to step into the person that you want to be, to lead with love, not ego. Once again, ego is based on fear, is making decisions through fear, believes in lack and limitation and scarcity, believes that you're not pretty enough, not skinny enough, not lovable enough, not worthy enough. So we need to run from soul. And I really believe that our souls sign, you know, almost agree a contract to what they're going to experience in this human plane. And so you know, I've, it, it was absolutely no coincidence. I've seen three or four different healers, intuitives, as I healed my own journey, who all told me exactly the same thing. Your husband and you have been together in a past life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you connected so deeply. And But you had lessons that you needed to teach each other in this life. And I've heard it on multiple different occasions. Um, and that we were soulmates. We decided and contracted that we were going to be together. We were going to learn these lessons together. And I really love that because when we can operate from our soul, we trust that everything that's happening in the 3D world is happening for the better for us, not the betterment, not as ego would want you to say, this is fucking awful. He's a twat, da, 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 you know. So tuning into Universe FM is leading through love, not ego, operating through soul, um, choosing to show up every day with your energy in alignment with your future self. Mm-hmm. And that takes us on to step five is when you do the first four steps, what will happen is you will tune into the right frequency. You'll be tuned to the right wavelength. And what will happen is, is you'll start to get divine guidance, intuition. Mm-hmm. And this will then be the intuition that helps you take the right action to get into a while. So for example, a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, what action can I take when I'm single and I'm looking for love? Well, you can't sit at home watching Bridget Jones, feeling sorry for yourself. You've got, and just like positively affirm, my soulmate is coming, he's coming, he's coming. Like you've got to do something. You've got to get out there. You've got to meet people. You've got to go on dates. You've got to, you know, get on the dating apps. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to let people know, like I'm single. Do you know anyone wants to meet up with me? But do the stuff that feels good. If it feels horrible, it's not aligned action. Follow the signs. If you're like, you know, walking down the street and you see a sign and it's like speed dating. I mean, it's a shit, shit example, but speed dating. And so in you goes, you should do that. You know, do it. Follow that intuition. Just follow the guidance because once you know what you want, the universe is going to help you make that happen, but you've got to take action in the physical world. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's the five steps pertaining to relationships. Hopefully that's helped. That's really helped. I just, it's so, so clear. I hope you are writing them down. If not, rewind, get a bloody <laughs> notebook and pen and write them down. Um, I highly also recommend both of Noor's books. The, you've got such, your first one came out in 2019. Did your second one come out last year? Yeah, so I've got, so my first I don't even know what year we're in anymore. Yeah, so we're in 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so here's another. I'm, I'm half Iranian and her name is Persia. And my mom still fucking, still fucking insists on telling people she's from Persia. Mom, it stopped being called Persia about seven million years ago. Can you just stop? <laughs> yes, I'm Persian. I'm from Persia. I'm like, mom, fuck off. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so she's brilliant, though. Um, so, my first book, Just Fucking Do It, came out in 2019. My second book, You Only Live Once, which was a Sunday Times bestseller, came out in November. So, uh, sorry, it came out in October last year. It was a Sunday Times bestseller in November. Um, wow. And um, and yeah, and so I'm, yeah, you can get them on Amazon or whatever. And Persia, your books, share. Oh, so, I've got them here. No, I don't know if it is, but The Inner Fix came out in 20 bloody 16. I can't believe that. And I wrote that with a friend called Joey. 
And this book last year, <clears throat> came out last year. Oh, we both had a book come out last year. Yeah. Love is Coming, How to Find Real Love in a Superficial World. This came out in, yeah, last year in July. Okay. And um, it's full of some very funny and very inappropriate stories. And um, I actually think you're in one of them, you know. Do you remember, I'm sure it was you, we were in the Weatherspoons in Wimbledon and an old man who looked like the old man from fucking Home Alone, the guy <laughs> with the shovel, he started masturbating. Oh, no. <gasps> I remember. Oh, you, my God. It was with you. Yeah, it was with me. That is oh so Oh, my funny. God. And actually, his, Not that, his, that wasn't a funny story. That was, I was talking about like dark things happening to women. Um, that wasn't one of the funny stories, but it was I you. I remember that. Yeah. And you were oh really, God. I did, I didn't. And it was funny because I, I remember we were in the weather spoons because you were trying to set me up with a friend of yours who oh, yeah. actually ended up being gay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry about that. Like, why doesn't he, I was like, why doesn't he like me? Let's add to the list of people that just don't want me. But I was really happy to find I was gay. Such the second person in my life that I've tried to go for who has ended up, I'll never forget a guy called George. And I absolutely adored him and um, really fancied him. And then we kind of like, I think we kissed once, but then, we were in the car and we were driving down the M4 and I'm like driving on the M4 and he's like sat next to me and I've got something to tell you, I'm gay. And I'm like almost breaking on the fucking motorway. <laughs> I, I actually felt real deep relief. I was like, oh, good. It's not just me. It's the fact that I don't have a penis. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, um, so felt better that way. But yeah, thank you so much for, I feel a bit like I've talked a lot on this episode rather than Bye. I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed it. I've like, I know I just, it's been so nice to like hear what has been going on for you. Cause I know we started when we had the call before, but there was just so, so, so much more. And, uh, and it's just been so good to hear. And it just, it feels like no time's passed at all. Cause like we're 15 again, North. I know. Well, we'll have to go out, um, yeah. we'll have to go out and um, get drunk how we did when we we're 15 and end up like passed out when we're doing common or something. <laughs> like the I old days. Have, I only Four children, don't don't mind me. <laughs> so, so um, oh, well, it's been so lovely to do this podcast together, and hopefully, my listeners have learned a bit more about my life, and um, you know, listen to Persia sharing about hers and relationships, and yeah, if those of you in the academy, you're going to get the uh, luxury of getting a session with Persia on um, manifesting love and uh, creating your best relationship and we never know we might come back and do another episode together again so no doubt we will yeah thank you oh I do have some final really quickly final questions I do this with every podcast guest just because I'm really interested in in your answers before we wrap up I call these the light this the lightning round inspired by that episode of friends okay so just your first quickest answer what love life advice ah how funny would you give to your 15 year old self (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stay fucking single <laughs> <laughs> be on your own okay go you enjoy yourself love stop that. falling in love <laughs> <laughs> what's one thing you don't want people to know about you oh oh what's one thing you don't want god i wear my heart on my sleeve i think everyone knows every fucking thing about me i've written two books um what's one thing i don't want people to know about me um Oh, I don't, I really, oh, this has really put me in the spot and I really don't, I can't even, What one thing I don't want to know about me, probably some things that happen in my childhood that don't, they're not just about me, they're, they're other people. So there are other people involved. So I haven't shared, like I always say to people, I'm pretty open book and I've shared a lot. There's a lot of things I haven't shared mm-hmm. um, that probably would be quite shocking and would be quite, um, would, would give people even more of an insight into kind of the chaos I went through as a child. But I've chosen not to share them because they don't just involve me. It's not just my story. And I feel like it's not my place to share something that potentially could affect other people's lives. Mm -hmm. I hear that. Where can people connect with you? We will link this in the show notes. TikTok, Instagrams, Facebook, (laughs) podcasts. Think again in podcasts. Everywhere. I'm everywhere. She's (laughs) bloody everywhere. everywhere. Okay. Final question. What's the number one piece um, of advice you have for any successful single woman who is listening to this and they haven't met their person yet for whatever reason and they're worried that they won't? What would you say to them? Well, worrying that you won't is a form of manifestation and worrying is the same amount of power as desire. So instead of worrying about not meeting them, start using the five steps that I taught today to truly... um, tap into a future identity where 
that, that, that's already happened. If you can see it in your mind, it's already happened. So number one, worrying is a form of visualization. So don't stop worrying, right? That's my advice. Mm -hmm. Change the bloody channel, change the channel and take action as well. I really love that you shared that. Yeah. Thank you so much, my love. I've loved this. Amazing. I've loved this too. Take care. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope this episode served you and gave some practical insights and strategies around the next steps in transforming your love life from the inside out. Do come and let me know over on Instagram what resonated for you the most and why. I am at Persia Lawson. And if you want more tips and tools on how to become a vibrational match for the powerful, committed relationship that you deserve, check out my book, Love is Coming, as well as my programs and coaching containers over at persialawson.com. This website is also linked in this episode's show notes. And if you got value from this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, share, and or leave a quick review. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other women who want or need the support. And to have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. Until next time, I want you to remember that love is coming for you. But in the meantime, it's your responsibility to stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get and start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be.